from Relay FM. This is Upgrade, episode 163. Today's show is brought to you by Balance, Squarespace, and Mac Weldon. My name is Mike Hurley, and I am joined in person across this breakfast counter by Mr. Jason Snell. Happy breakfast counter, Mike. Happy breakfast counter to you, Jason Snell. We're in Chicago right now. We are. We even have a tiny, tiny, tiny audience. But nobody cares about that because it's time for Snell Talk. That's perfect. Nice. I like that. We actually have a really fun Snell Talk question today from Josh. Josh misses the old small talk, so how's the weather today? (laughs) It's sunny today. It is sunny. We are in Chicago. We're in Airbnb right now. There's a a train that goes by sometimes, which you may get the pleasure of hearing. Just pretend we're Merlin. Yeah, we got a streetcar. And we are at Release Notes. Yes. Release Notes starts today. Yes. Um, we've been doing some stuff in and around. We had had a bunch of live episodes. We had a live episode of The Pen Addict, which is coming out later this week at Field Notes. We had a live episode of Connected and a live episode of Ungenius. Connected out. Ungenius will be out today as well. We've been doing some fun stuff, a bunch of meetups. It's been a really, really great week so far. And now we have a live episode of Upgrade, live before a studio audience. Of two people, yeah. which Federico and Steven. Say hi, guys. You, you probably can't hear them, no. but they're there. They're there. They're, they're, they're working on their iPads. They're not imaginary. They're getting their work they're done. They're real. Yeah. You can't work on an iPad, Mike. What are you talking about? That's very true, actually. That is very true. So, how's the Spider-Mac? Uh, the Spider-Mac is... The spider is gone. Oh. The Mac has returned. I cannot tell you how relieved I was to get my iMac back. I was so sad I mean, I think I mentioned this last week. I was so sad to have it gone and have my little monitor arm just standing there at attention <laughs> so with nothing sad. on it. It yeah. was like, but my computer, where is? where did it go? Um, but it has been returned from its repairs with, um, with no spider. In the in the glass, did they give you the spider back? Like you know, if, no, you, ha- if you have the, some like some kind of medical procedure that like kidney stones or put them in a little jar for you or something. No, this is more like when a pet dies. The vet ah. does not give you your dead pet to ah. you. They, they they flushed it. They use a lot of I'm sure a lot of care and and uh, I would and love to see of. how they did that. Like just the whole process, taking the screen off just to remove the spider and then putting it back again. I assume they pulled off the entire screen yeah. um, and replaced it. It's the only way to do it, right? Yeah, and those iMacs are hard to do. But anyway, yep. it's it's uh, it's done. It the, which allows me to work undistracted and also to sell it or give it away, uh, handed down when I decide to upgrade. Oh, upgrade my iMac, yeah. which I think is going to happen. I, I think it's just a matter of whether I'm going to do the the latest and greatest iMac this fall or whether I will. I really uh, want to see about the the iMac Pro. I think, I think this that's is my you decided. Thing. I think you've decided this in your brain. You're getting an iMac Pro. I think I, you've decided. I this. have decided to get an iMac Pro with one exception, which is I know there's going to be a moment when I'm on the shopping page for the iMac Pro once the orders open up, where it's going to say, um, "Here's how much it costs," yeah. and it's going to be five thousand yeah. dollars, and I'm going to be like. Really, do I want to do this? This I think is a lot Mac of Pro, money. We, I mean, I think everybody used to do this. You'd go to the old Mac Pro page and you'd price up how expensive can you make this? You know, like you get it for like ten grand, twelve yeah. grand. This is probably going to be like that, I reckon. Not that you'll pay that no, amount I, of money, I, yeah. but you could if you wanted to. It will be the base model if I get one of these. Let me tell you, and that base model will be very, very, very it will good. Be, yeah, I mean, it, it, there's no doubt that logically it would be good for me doing my job to have that. But not the writing part, but the denoising files part, mm-hmm. <laughs> audio files. So, yeah, we'll see. Last week, we spent some time talking about emoji. Um, the 11.1 beta came out 
um after the after we recorded mm -hmm. so you can get the emoji now and they're great there's a bunch of new great emoji in there um and i got some feedback some follow-up from mark bramhill who is the creator of welcome to macintosh and he just did a big emoji series so he has a lot of thoughts about emoji so i was talking about um that, that i believe that apple hold off the emoji releases until after the main release to try and spur on adoption and mark said that uh, unicode finalizes emoji in the summer giving a fairly short timeline to illustrate and that unicode are now switching to an earlier timeline finalizing three months after in the spring so we may see next year's new emoji in ios 12 because vendors have complained to unicode which is why they switched their timeline so it could be the reason for the wait right. so we'll see i mean that is a i still believe that they hold it off because other vendors like Google have supported them already, but it could be like if they want to spend time really illustrating them and, and that kind of thing. But it's good to see that it is funny to see how the Unicode consortium, which is this big thing, is basically the emoji house now, right? Like, and they're, they're making all these changes now so emoji can be better prepared and stuff like that. But yeah, so that's what they're doing going forward. Yeah, it's it's a funny example of an organization that was not made to do this. But they've kind of become... They've fallen into it. So they yeah. they have to deal with this it. This is what they do. They yeah. do emoji now. <laughs> so when we were in Chicago, we planned to go to the cinema together. Unfortunately, you had a plane that got canceled, so you didn't make it. Yeah, there was... Uh, it's sunny now, mm -hmm. but over the weekend, there were torrential rain. rains Lots in Chicago. Rain. Big thunderstorms for a whole day on Saturday. Mm -hmm. And so my flight got canceled, so I, I came in Sunday, which meant... I didn't get the chance to do Mike at the movies in person with you on Saturday night. Because we wanted to talk about... we. I went to see Blade Runner 2049, which we were going to talk about together, but we can't now. So I just want to give some completely no-spoilers opinions of Blade Runner 2049. Oh, here we go. I just wanted to say that I really like this movie a lot. Uh, it gave me what I liked about the first one. The visuals and the music are incredible. Just so beautiful one of the most visually beautiful films i have ever seen um it was stunning and it also gave me less of what i didn't like about blade runner so i found the story to be easier to follow and there was more action like there was more stuff going on in the movie um so, so you yeah, just made blade it. runner fans happy and then like Sad. reluctant because yeah. they're like but wait mike is Saying that he likes Blade Runner 2049 better than Blade Runner in some ways actually. because yeah. it, it has more of the things that you like, which is going to be heresy. This movie. But yeah. I, as I mentioned to you, I believe last night, there is literally nothing you can say mm -mm. about Blade Runner now that will not anger somebody. Yeah. So, if you like Blade Runner, you already don't like what me and Jason have to say about anything to do with Blade <laughs> Runner. But even I, though we've got this reputation now, even though we both pretty much came out in that in our our revision with John Syracuse in being much more favorable to Blade Runner after watching the the uh final cut. Yeah. But I prefer this movie. I really like Ryan Gosling in general, so that was a big win for me. Like he's great in it. Uh I really re I recommend it. I, I know it hasn't done very well in the box box office. Um which it in a way like it doesn't surprise me. Like I I understand that like it's a huge cast, but it is a sequel to a movie that is a kind of a cult movie. Blade Runner, yeah, I feel like, like for sure. you know, and it was not a hit. So it, it is not surprising to me that the the sequel to this movie, which maybe never should have been made, right? Like by a lot of people's standards, kind of has not doing so well. But I do recommend it. Like I, I, 
I actually don't really feel like you even need to have seen Blade Runner to go and see this movie. Hmm. Like they set things out pretty simply with text, and it's like it's kind of like they have like a crawl at the beginning kind of thing, and that's it. But yeah, I I really liked it, and I'm just ashamed we can't talk about it in more detail. Maybe one day. Maybe. One last thing, uh, the I just wanted to mention because I've been spending more time uh, with Apple nerds in different locations <laughs> over the last couple of days. The iOS 11 Wi-Fi password sharing thing is amazing. So this is when you're, somebody's connected to a Wi-Fi network and you try to connect to the same network, it gives them a pop-up on any device, Mac or iOS. They can say, yes, allow this person, share the password with them, and it just pre-fills on your device. And you just have to be in somebody's contact book. So it's quite funny, like if there's a bunch of people in a room and you try and connect to the Wi-Fi, it pings all of their devices <laughs> and someone will just let you on. But it is so much easier than going like, hey, what's the Wi-Fi password? Yeah. It's, it's really good. It's a really good feature. Yeah, and it doesn't need to be secure in that way, nope. right? Because it, it, the idea is not, well, they're not the owner of the Wi-Fi pa- uh, network, so should they be giving that out? Well, the fact is, once you know the Wi-Fi password, you know it, yeah. theoretically, and, and also, you can share it, yeah, so why not just share it? have to be in your contacts. Like, I like that kind of security. Yeah. It's like, they just have to be a friend of yours, and you can give them the Wi-Fi password. Like, I think that works really well. It's a good feature. It's great. I look forward to using that sometime. So I, I didn't say, uh, I want to, because we, we kind of skipped all the way through the Snell Talk question. Thank you to Josh for submitting his Snell Talk question. If you have a question you'd like to open the show, hashtag Snell Talk, and they'll go into a document and we can, we can pull those out. That's right. And, and uh, who knows? Maybe there'll be more Snell Talk questions about small talk, about maybe the weather. Then it'll be directed by the listeners. We'll have to talk about small talk because they'll, they I demand it. I think it kind of all is small talk. Yeah, I, mean, I suppose so. It's, it's, just, it's just directed instead yeah. of... It is a little weird, I have to say. Not just, it's very nice to be across the table from you. We do this really a shocking a amount. Like given given that I live in California and yeah. you live in London, it is we, we do this two or three times a year, it seems. And more we, than that. Which is, which is great. So, so high five. Mm. Uh, yeah, there it is. That was good podcasting. Yep, terrible. You spit out some water and uh-huh. did a high five. Um, it is a little disconcerting, I realize, as I'm sitting here, because I keep um, looking up and, and to my left... <laughs> expecting to see the um the oak tree out my window <laughs> and it's not there there's no oak tree over there there's where's the oak tree where's the squirrel that is running along the fence they're not out there i can see a mcdonald's it is monday morning though so that that is that feels I, and i'm i'm sitting here kind of unshaved and, and yep. in my in my shirt from from yesterday because i haven't taken a shower yet this morning and in that way it feels like upgrade. There's a lot, a lot of information <laughs> for the listener. Today's Small show talk. is brought to you by Mac World, and they make the most comfortable underwear, socks, shirts, undershirts, hoodies, and sweatpants that you're ever going to wear. Mac World is better than whatever you're wearing right now, unless you've already been smart enough to buy Mac World clothing. Yep. You're wearing Mac Walden right now? Yeah, speaking of what we said Wait, earlier, so absolutely. much information. <laughs> this is just all of the information. Did you wear your Mac Walden uh, sweatpants on the plane? Of course I did. Of course you did. Of course I did. I, it was a little chilly the other day at home, and uh-huh. I put on my Mac Walden sweatpants, and then I saw that you were flying with Federico, and I thought, oh, we're and Mac Walden sweatpants we, twinsies. We were Mac Walden buddies mm-hmm. that day. Mac Walden have a no questions asked return policy. If you don't like what you buy for them, for the like for your first pair, you just keep it and they'll refund you, no questions asked. That's how confident they are that you're gonna love their fantastic clothes. They have meticulous attention to detail, a simple shopping experience, and premium fabrics. They deliver a new level of daily comfort straight to your door. Mac Walden also have a line of silver underwear and shirts that are naturally antimicrobial. This is some super cool science stuff, which basically means that they eliminate odor. Not only do Mac Walden's underwear socks 
socks and shirts look good, they perform well too. They're good for working out, going to work, traveling, especially internationally or for everyday life. Listeners of this show can get $20 off at MacWeldon.com with the code UPGRADE. I should say I'm also wearing MacWeldon today, Jason. Woo! Just so you know, some information we for me We are still MacWeldon buddies. Thank you so much to MacWeldon for their support of this show. And Relay FM. Jason, your favorite topic. There's a new Kindle. <gasps> what? A new Kindle? A new Kindle. So this is it. This is still the Oasis, right? Which is weird because they seem to come up with names... For new stuff all the time. Yeah, they they and this, this seems like just, a pretty well, significant update. They've revised the Paperwhite. Okay, so this is and they've revised the Kindle. Paperwhite is a terrible name. Like that for me is not aged. That is just a bad product name. Paperwhite. Yeah. Well, the idea at the time was that it is a high contrast screen. The instead of being a kind of medium gray, it's a very light gray, and it's got the backlighting on it and. It's actually the best Kindle to get in terms of being a good buy with the features that huh. it's got. Still? But it's, well, we'll see okay. how this new one. So this new Oasis, this, the old Oasis um, was more expensive than this one and kind of weird. It came with a case with a battery on it and you had to get the case because it was very small and very thin and had not great battery life, although e-ink ebook readers are um, really good at, at uh, using battery lightly. But um, you could put the case on it, and then it would use that battery or recharge its own internal battery. Um, so with this, they've kept the kind of wedge shape of that. It's got a, a kind of a thick part and a thin part, but the case is gone, the mandatory battery case. Mm-hmm. It's, it's got bigger battery inside, and it's um, heavier than it was because you're, um, you, that battery weighs uh, a couple ounces, so it's it's heavier, and it's got a larger screen. It's got a seven-inch screen, so it's kind of going outside of the uh, previously uh, common six-inch Kindle screen. Um, so it's still their premium, most expensive Kindle, but uh, it's no longer their light Kindle because okay. it's gained that weight, and it's cheaper. So that's good. Starts at two fifty. Um, and we'll see how it we'll see how it goes. It's got they're they're, they're doing some interesting things. They're now doing a uh, storage uh, tier, which they didn't do before, which I think is really funny because ebooks are very small. I think they're doing this because they've added they've added support, Audible support. Right? Yeah, With so Amazon Bluetooth audio. So Amazon owns Audible. Yep. and you can buy Audible bundles of ebook and audiobook. And they've added to this new Oasis, and I think they're rolling it out to a couple of existing models, including the old Oasis, and maybe um, maybe there's one more, where they're going to add Bluetooth support, that apparently there's Bluetooth in those devices, and it's just turned <laughs> off. Bluetooth audio support, so that you can also use it, pair it with headphones, and listen to your audiobook if you uh, want to stop reading, but yep. keep going. Which is funny, because that's a throwback to the original Kindles. The original Kindles had headphone jacks, and you could put audiobooks on them so this is like the next generation of that which i think is kind of interesting um and then the other big thing which has never before been in existence on a kindle unless you used a ziploc bag in the bathtub like jeff bezos apparently did did he doesn't need to anymore because it's waterproof yeah why would you want a waterproof kindle like read in the bathtub is that is that the main reason that they've done this yeah that's interesting yeah people and i know so I realized I was talking to Aline Sims actually about this, who is here. Um, and she said she was excited about the bathtub, uh, thing. bathtub Kindle. And I realized 
your feeling about reading in the bathtub has a lot to do with whether you have a good bathtub, and I do not. <laughs> Our bathtub is uncomfortable. No, that's not going <laughs> to happen. Um, I did, when we were in Hawaii, I, I did read in a, uh, there was a hot tub at the place we were staying um, out back, and so it's just, you know, it's out there in the fresh air and a beautiful view and a hot tub, and I did read there, and I, I had the Kindle Oasis, the old one, so I would just, you know, hold, hold, it, it, hold it very carefully so as not to drop it in the water and destroy it, but um, I think there are there are people who read in the bathtub including jeff bezos who i'm not kidding famously said that he used huh. a ziploc bag around his this Kindle. Is fun. it's funny because the the it's ipx8 certified for waterproofing which is just funny to me because of like what this certification means like what you can do you can submerge a kindle for two up to two meters for 60 minutes yeah. like that's ne- I, I don't Basically, think that's ever gonna happen I, well <laughs> what i was thinking is that's the rating for I, Mom, I dropped the Kindle in the pool. <laughs> All right, an we'll go get, get it. it out. Then, yeah, yeah, how long does it take to fish it out of the bottom of the of the pool? But it's this is. I feel like Amazon is shifting their tactics here, and this is look. Ebook e-ink readers are a niche uh, product category, but they're actually popular. We've talked about this every time we talk about the Kindle. I have to do this disclaimer, which is tech nerds think it's dumb because it's black and white. And you just should just get a tablet. But the fact is, tech nerds are not the main audience for this product. It is people who are the demographic of Kindle users. I'm sure if Amazon actually would release this data, which they never will, but I would say the demographic of Kindle, it's older. Yep. Um, there are probably more women than men in this in this demographic. Um, it is the book reader demographic, which is a very different demographic than the tech nerd demographic. And these are great for reading books. That's yeah. why I have them is they're yeah. great for reading text, you know, on a, on a page. That's what they're good for. And Amazon this time is like storage tier, audiobook integration, direct, um, waterproofing, bigger screen, which is new. It, it probably is going to be, I have the Kobo Aura one, which is a, uh, a pretty good ebook reader and, and it's like the difference between reading a paperback and reading like a hardcover book or something where it's like got the bigger screen i imagine the oasis is going to kind of be like that um so uh it shows that amazon is still trying stuff with the kindle which i like um, they don't have a I'm, color one right no i mean the color kindle was basically the uh the fire, the fire. tablet mm. right the this kindle. is still black and, and white now, yeah, yeah. It's, it's it's just i think they make uh, color e-ink but there are issues with it and it's like and it's not important you don't need it but like this is I think that adds to what you were saying about who this product is for like if they were making this for the tech audience they probably would put color in it just because it would be fancy yeah it would be a checkbox and all that but this is but a, this pointless. is an uncool product yeah. this is not not a product that needs to be this cool isn't an echo no, you know, and, like, and I, cool. you know, I have an iPad, and I read on my iPad all the time. And when I read novels, I read them on a Kindle. I, I prefer to read them on the Kindle. I prefer it, I the it. reflective screen. It's comfortable. Uh, it is. It is easier on my eyes. It's. It's nice to not be <laughs> distracted. Just to, you know how I say, like working on the iPad feels less distracting than working on the Mac because mostly I'm in one app at a time. Reading on the Kindle is way less distracting than reading there's on the iPad because there's no notifications coming in or anything like that. I'm just reading my book. So it's, yeah, it's not for everyone. And I think that for people who are sort of more vaguely interested in a Kindle, um, the Paperwhite is probably still going to be the better buy because it's way cheaper. And like if you're going to buy an e-reader that's kind of disposable and you use it at the beach a couple of times a year, the Paperwhite is uh, is the one I choose because it does have the the lighting 
uh, so you can read it at night without a light. <laughs> Does this have a light? Yeah. Yeah, okay. they all do now. This has like eight, <laughs> it's something like there are nine LCD or nine LED black backlights in the, wow. in, in, in the paper white. And this one's got like 15 or this something. Bigger, right. It makes sense. Yeah. And they, and it's more evenly lit when they do it that way. So it, yeah, I think it's cool. You I, one? or well, so I like the Oasis, the current Oasis a lot. And one of the things I like about it is you can pop that cover off and it's super light it's like not like there's nothing in your hand it's just there's no weight to it it's great but this isn't and this one is um is i think basically the same weight as the one the current oasis the old oasis in a case but without the case it's way heavier it's like several ounces heavier Mm. um so when when this was announced i thought to myself yeah you know i think as a user of the kindle i Oasis, I'm not sure I really want to have this. Um, as somebody who writes about this and talks about it, I totally ordered it because I decided it was worth it to me to try it out and talk about it and review it and figure out where it fits in my grand which say, Kindle should you buy I scheme. Think, I think the waterproofing might edge out the weight. Like the benefit of the waterproofing for a lot of people sure. be like, I don't care that it's heavier. Yeah, like this I is really your, need it to be waterproof. If if you are somebody who takes your Kindle to the beach or the pool or anything like yeah. that, or reads in the bathtub or a hot tub or something like that. I should have called it like the Kindle bubbles or something. You know? <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's just, I get it. But they, 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 it is weird to me that they did all of this and didn't give it a new product name. That is strange to me. Well, I think... Obviously, it was um, the successor to the Oasis. They, they obviously, when they were developing it, the fact that it's got that kind of wedge shape where the battery's on one side, so you've got your sort of side you grip that's a little bit thicker, mm-hmm. and then there's the other side which doesn't have that, which means it makes it lighter overall and less bulky overall. Obviously, it originated from that same idea, so it's they think about it as an evolution. I think there are too many Kindles, um, yeah. and, and that there that there's probably a Kindle in there that they should probably get rid of, but that's where we are. So there's also, going on to more kind of entertainment e-news in technology, there's, oh, a, few so things, there's a few things going on this week um, that are all relating to movies and how technology companies are evolving their movie efforts. The first is a service called Movies Anywhere, which is something that's existed for a while but wasn't massively useful. Yeah, right? It's Disney Movies Anywhere. Yeah, because it, it is a Disney-owned property, and it was you could buy. Say you bought a Disney movie on iTunes or Amazon or Google Play, you could link these accounts to Disney service, and then these movies would be available for you everywhere, both in the Disney Movies Anywhere app, and this is. This is the big part. But this yeah. is the, the 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 really mind-boggling part. If you bought a Disney movie on Amazon, you could download it on iTunes. Yes. And vice versa across all of these services. This week, Disney extended this to other major studios. It's now called Movies Anywhere, right? They removed the Disney branding from mm-hmm. the from the name, and yeah. it includes Warner Brothers, Universal, Fox, and Sony. I think Paramount is the big holdout. Paramount is the big holdout. But this, so this is wild. So you can buy movies wherever they're cheapest and watch them wherever you want. Yeah, I suspect that their the pricing is going to be the same everywhere. But I like, s- let's imagine there's uh-huh. a because you know you can go to to iTunes sometimes and there'll be a like a yeah, the movie a, a, of the day. Yeah, type it's possible. Thing. It's possible, but they'll they'll sync everywhere and and. Um, I had this experience with the Disney stuff where we were visiting my mom in Arizona and I threw a uh, a fire TV stick in my bag 
just for the trip because she doesn't have any Netflix down there. And um, I thought we might want to watch movies. And I realized that I had Disney movies anywhere. <laughs> and we brought up the Amazon movie list and in the purchase movies was all of the Marvel movies that I bought on iTunes. And it was like, oh my God. That is, is it's amazing. Well, what it does is it's really good for... It. So the the background here is that the movie studios are concerned that with the rise of streaming services, people aren't buying movies anymore. Because you can just, just whatever's just on... Wait, wait right? for it to be on streaming. Yeah. And they want to... So it used to be they were more hostile to us, but now they want us, us to... Uh, they're motivated to make us happy. And so this is... This is I mean, I, I, with that motivation out there, this is a consumer-friendly feature. Because it's them trying to coax us into continuing to buy or re- resuming buying movies by saying, guess what? We've decided that despite Apple and Amazon fighting over you, if you buy our movie, you just get it everywhere. You buy, buy a disc with a code, yep. you get it everywhere. And it's not like use the Ultraviolet app, which links to this voodoo service you've never heard of. It's like, no, no, no. You will get this on Where all you want. services. If you want it on Google Play, if you want it on iTunes, you want it on Amazon, we don't care. We don't care if you have an Apple TV or an f- Amazon Fire TV. Both, we, all of them. We literally yeah. just, you get the movie when you buy the disc or you do a download, you get the movie. And, uh, you know, maybe that'll, maybe that'll work. They're trying to make your investment in buying a movie more valuable yeah. because they know that if you're, um, even if you're not going to Netflix and watching movies, but you're starting to watch movies on set-top boxes, that stops Blu-ray sales because you can't do anything with a Blu-ray. And if you're like, you know, us, right? I, I definitely had this where I will buy an iTunes download. And one of the reasons is that it's available everywhere on my iPad without me having to rip the Blu-ray and copy it to Plex and then put it on my iPad. I can like literally just go download in the TV app and it'll download. That is that is so much more convenient. And so if you are somebody who might buy a Blu-ray otherwise, this like gives you an out, which is, no, it's covered now. No matter what device you want, it's covered. It's, it's super smart. I get why they're doing it, but it is a, it is a really positive, you know, good news for consumers mm-hmm. kind of thing. And it works. It's a kind of magical. And you get some movies when you sign up for it, too. You get Ghostbusters, The Lego Movie, and Big Hero 6. Yeah. Good movies. Yeah. And, and, uh... So I signed up, and you link your accounts. You sign up to Movies Anywhere. Um, if you were a Disney Movies Anywhere person, you put in that password and stuff uh, at some point, and it like relinks, it copies that data over. So it's sort of a new service, but it'll copy your data from Disney Movies Anywhere. You log into iTunes and Amazon and Vudu and Google and like and all the services they've got. If you've got accounts there, um, so if you've got a bunch of ultraviolet movies that are synced to your Vudu account which of i do course. i did i had to <laughs> i had to well the ultraviolet codes are so stupid because the yeah. app is so bad but there are some digital movies that are over there and and that's actually one of these kind of pro tips is if you've got movies in that stupid ultraviolet locker and it's linked to voodoo now you can get then the you iTunes link the voodoo versions. account to movies anywhere and they all come over so i've got these ultraviolet movies that are suddenly in my itunes account it's i great. read on the verge that apple will give you the 4k hdr versions as well yeah, it seems like the um, one of the things that's happening here is I think it depends on every studio's deal because like isn't Dis- Disney's not on in four K HDR have it at right? all? But like if, but if the movie exists and you this bought it seems to be else. a for a a resolution blind service. Yep. So like I had some movies that I bought not in HD a long time ago 
they're all in HD now. Like that, that's another thing that the service seems to do is just grant you like, look, if you get the best version, you bought our movie, you get it in the, in the, in the best version that's available. Yeah. How did Disney convince Apple and Google and Amazon to it's, do this? It's a good question. That, that's the part that makes me wonder because I it, can't it, work it this out. goes against their business model of erecting walls that make it harder for people to switch. Like I can see how ecosystems. Disney convinced the other studios because they probably had data that yeah. showed this is good for you. It's been good for us. Yeah, and they, and they saw... I mean, Disney just built this thing, yeah. right? I, I don't know if Disney built it and already had talked to the other studios and they're like, no, 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 or, or, but whatever it was, Disney built it. They, they show it that it them. works yep. and all the other studios are like, that's, that's good. And at some point somebody had a conversation, which was, you don't even need to, don't, don't, don't try to reinvent this. Let's just do it. Let's do it all together. Let's just turn it into something for yeah, everyone. And like, we'll take on our branding off it. Like we're going to make yeah. this like a consortium deal. Like yeah, don't you worry kick about in it. Some like, money for this. the development yeah. efforts and, and we'll turn this into a consortium. Kind I of just thing. assume that either Disney or one of the other studios, like when going to these companies for deals, they're just like, yeah, we're going to do this, but you're going to have to do this now. Yeah. Cause the, that's the thing is that Amazon and Apple and Google all had to build in support for this. Which is boggles my mind as well, right? That it's not just like you have to give us... You have to give people the movies for free, right? So you're not getting any money out of it. You also have to develop hooks into your existing infrastructure, which given everything I kind of know about iTunes, was probably a very difficult yeah. thing to do. I could see the argument if you're Apple that it's... Uh, you know, it's getting people into your ecosystem too, because anything that happens at at Google or Amazon uh, or or Voodoo, Ultraviolet, whatever, um, is just kind of like swept into iTunes, yep. which makes it super convenient it on the Apple TV. Boxes more uh, appealing. But the argument, the counter argument, is all those iTunes movies that people have invested in. That's the only reason that they're still using an Apple TV. Now they can get a Fire Stick they instead. Can just, they can just get the Fire Stick and they're gone. So that that's the risk. It may just be that they're all like, um, don't forget that the studios have some leverage here, right? Yep. Because they own the content. That, that's what I assume is happening. So it, it may be that just part of the, the deal here is that the studios have all said, one of the conditions of us being on your services is that you, you need to provide um, this feature that allows our customers yep. to... Um, to have the freedom to move among services. And it is interesting to me that I like, consider Disney is the forerunner of this and Apple don't get 4K Disney movies, but they've still been able to convince Apple to do this. It's like it's a weird bargaining this may thing have been going a, on right now. I mean, this may have been a condition of Disney a while ago or yeah. even of other studios even before this got built. It might have been in the contract, for this, which is for the 4K a stuff, provision. Uh, well, I was thinking it's like a provision that says... If we bring you a customer for our movie and say, give them this movie, you have to do it, essentially, in the contract. If the contract is read that way, which is we get to arbitrarily um, designate people as owning a movie 
for uh, based on codes or whatever. Which might be like you remember you you'd buy like a DVD and it would have an iTunes code in yeah, it, yeah, exactly, like something like that. And that's like a redemption code. But so it's possible that legally it was in the contract. Yeah, and the movie studios came to a- Apple and Amazon and, and Google and said, "Here's how. Here's what we're building to enforce this part of the contract. So we you need to do this. So it may be that it wasn't even a negotiation. Yeah. It may have already been in the deal, and that they decided this is how we want to implement this now. Here's a date. You know, please. And and for for Apple's part, it sounds like you know, or, or any of these companies' part, they have to do some authentication, and they have to accept some like movie IDs as being granted. It's it it's it's a development project though. Somebody at Apple had to spend time building yep. this stuff, and yep. it, that allows people to take content out of their ecosystem. And likewise for Amazon and Google. And as you can imagine, U.S. only. For, for now. now, for now. But yeah, but those for nows are infinite. Well, the that well the fact is, yeah, the, we talk about contracts. It's a different contract exactly. in every yeah. single region, uh-huh. and so that's a mess. It, it it is a mess. But I think there's hope here because what this suggests is that the big players in digital distribution and the uh, studios all feel that um, this is the way forward, or mostly feel that this is the way forward. So yep. it may end up everywhere over time just because nobody wants to do it the old, the old way This anymore. just becomes the way. Yeah, you get a movie, it's got a code inside, you put that code in at Movies Anywhere, and it pops up in your library, yep. right? You, you just One buy, workflow. You just buy a movie on iTunes, and it's on your yeah. It's on your Fire Stick. Yeah, I'm interested to see since Blu-rays are physical objects, they're going to have to print inserts and put them in there. How long that takes to turn over? But I assume every Blu-ray is going to have uh, a code in it now mm-hmm. for this purpose using Movies Anywhere, and that'll be an interesting experience too. But I, I'm much more inclined to buy a Blu-ray knowing that I get the full HD version on all the services. Um, the problem is that they're, these guys are also working against themselves. If they really, if they want to sell Blu-rays instead of digital copies, because I almost always buy the digital copy now because it comes out like a month before the Blu-ray does. Yeah. And I'm not as and obsessive with the Blu-ray quality as John Syracuse is. I don't want boxes in my house. I don't yeah. want more boxes. Well, and I, I'm you know, I'm ripping all my Blu-rays and putting them in Plex, right? And so the goal there is that those Blu-rays are going to end up in a in a box, yeah. in the garage. They're not <laughs> going to be in my house anymore. No. But then it's like I don't want that. I just want the digital movies. Yeah. Well, it's a lot less clutter if you if you uh, if you do that, which yep. is usually what wins the day for me. It's like Wonder Woman, Spider-Man: Homecoming. I just bought the iTunes version, and now I got them everywhere. Today's episode is brought to you by Squarespace. Use the offer code UPGRADE at checkout and you'll get 10% off your first purchase. Squarespace lets you easily create the website that you have for your next idea or project. You can make your next move with Squarespace. They have all of the tools that you need. You can take advantage of beautiful, award-winning templates to let your ideas shine. You can grab a unique domain name for your website so you can give it the brand and identity that you're looking for. You have 24-7 customer support in case you need any help. There's nothing to install, no patches to worry about, no upgrades needed for 
for Squarespace. You don't have to worry about it. They've got it covered. All of the hosting's taken care of. They're adding new things to the platform all the time. You can add a store to your site. You can have portfolios, blogs. It doesn't matter what type of website you're looking to build. Squarespace have the tools to let you do it. You can sign up for a free trial today with no credit card required just by going to squarespace.com and their plans start at just $12 a month. When you decide to sign up, use the offer code UPGRADE and you'll get 10% of your first purchase and you'll be showing your support for this show. We thank Squarespace for their support of Relay FM. Squarespace, make your next move, make your next website. So, last week it was announced that Steven Spielberg's Amazing Stories is to be rebooted for Apple's video efforts product project. Yep. I don't really know how to reference that right now, but well, Apple's video thing. Yeah, I struggled in writing like three or 4,000 words about this last week to describe it this way, but it's Apple's presumably forthcoming video service mm-hmm. or video offering Um we're going to talk about it like it's happening mostly because... There's no way it isn't. Because they hired those two yeah. executives and, get, and according to the Wall Street Journal, gave them a billion-dollar budget. Um, and, now those, those, and now they're signing on Steven Spielberg properties. But, like, these aren't going to be... In, we're going to get this, but these just aren't going to be in Apple Music anymore. But we'll get to that in a minute. Yeah, Zach, Zach Von Amberg and uh, Jamie Ehrlicht... Mm-hmm. The Breaking are, Bad guys, right? Are the guys... Well, they're Sony. Sony. Which did Breaking Bad? They're 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 not writers. They're no, but you know, they, they're they development the deals. executives. They bring the deals in. They, and, and yeah, exactly. And then they hired uh, somebody from I think WGN America, and they've got a whole um, a serious team. And apparently in Culver City in LA, so they're they're like that's the a- Apple powered uh, service office that's got all these TV producers. They're in the industry. This is not. Um, this is not carpool karaoke and Planet of the Apps, and okay. it's those are easy jokes to make, but that was like that was literally like Eddie Q and his t- and, and the and the Beats people oh, wow. uh, messing around with that stuff. Way. That's what Eddie did, right? Like that's what they did. That's what Jimmy Iovine did. Yeah, and then they were like, "Oh, these suck." <laughs> Yeah, and we need li- real we need, TV. We need to be serious yeah. about this if we're going to do this. That was their test stuff, but we need to be serious. So, so that was it, like version one. Yeah. Right? So people who who try to say, oh well, they got to do better than carpool karaoke. Um, yeah, this is all about that. They are. And this is not yeah. going to be like the next one will be amazing stories, and then in six months there will be another Apple video product. That's also not going to happen. Giving these guys that budget is a. Uh, Giving these guys that budget is a is a sign that they're they're going to make lots of deals, lots of deals. So it's let's a, it's let's a big talk deal. about this one. Um, what is Amazing Stories? Because this is a reboot of an existing property, right? What what is Amazing Stories? I've never heard of it. Amazing Stories is uh, an anthology series from the eighties, uh, based on uh, basically a the name of a science fiction magazine from okay. the fifties that's still being published. Um, so it was kind of like the Twilight Zone, except uh, lighter and not as good. I would say there are a lot of people who have who have very fond memories of Amazing Stories. My understanding is that those are the people who were sort of ten years old when it premiered. Yep. I was fifteen. I was not impressed, uh, but some people liked it. But the idea is it's an anthology series. So think Black Mirror. Except not as dark as Black Mirror, because there's nothing as dark as Black Mirror. <laughs> it's the blackest. But it's it's not so, more black. So every uh, how, yeah. So every episode is going to be 
different, a different story. Okay. And uh, is this they, like that? Um, they say that Brian Fuller is going to be the showrunner on what was it. That? Is it American Horror Story? Is that like that? No, that's anthologized across seasons. So you have one story across a season. This or is lore, ev- right? The 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 Aaron Mankey show. That's like, that's different things every episode. Every episode, yeah, it's like the that. New Amazon Black show. Mirror. I, I think it's like the most relevant modern example Mm -hmm. um although there's also a room something or other on hbo that's like this or showtime Showtime, i don't don't watch scary things i don't know so this is this is that this is uh genre stories science fiction fantasy horror in uh basically short stories so one episode tells a story and then the week type deal and that also means director and writer and stars of the week so that presumably they'll have well-known actors black mirror has a lot of very well-known actors in it because they're not committing to being on a series they're shooting a 60 minute movie and then they're gone so it's going to be like that that's what that that's what that show is brian fuller who created star trek discovery who is the showrunner on american gods he did hannibal he's done a bunch of other stuff he's apparently the showrunner which is interesting because uh he he's always sort of said his 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 uh story for why he left star trek discovery was that he was too busy running american gods which always was suspicious but now it's like extra suspicious then again huh. this is an anthology show so um brian fuller given, is a he good was given name. a lot of money by apple brian huh? <laughs> brian fuller was given a a uh, uh he's a good name to attach to it creatively okay. and since it's an anthology series it may be a matter of like let's have brian fuller come in and define what this show is and pick what the stories are and pick some directors but he doesn't necessarily have to he, he maybe he writes the first episode but otherwise he's finding the writers and the directors and the stories that they're going to do and then we'll we'll see but it's 5 5 million an episode for 10 episodes that's that feels like a big budget is that big? That's fifty million, but it's out of a billion. So, but no, you know, but like they can do twenty episode. of those. I mean, you know, that's, obviously, you know I'd a lot about money. TV I'd say to that's me. a standard, like big budget okay. TV show okay. thing. It's not. It's not cheap. Um, but I think the Star Trek Discovery episodes cost like seven million an episode, eight okay. million an episode. Game of Thrones is probably more like a ten million, like episode. ten million an episode. <laughs> so those dragons are really expensive. The dragons, my understanding. they eat a lot. It's been reported as well that Apple are in lots of bidding wars. I mean, there's there's yes. lots of lots of rumbling about the, all the bidding wars that they're in. So they got a billion dollars, right? So yep. they are talking to people, and they're they're bidding on content. And so the best example, Ryan Murphy, who did American Horror, does American Horror Story, has and and Glee, and I mean a bunch of stuff. What a what a tone shift. Glee is the outlier for him. <laughs> I gotta say, most of his stuff it's like is like old dark, and then the happiest, happiest well, Nip Tuck was him too, which is a super weird show. Oh, so wow, okay, what a, what a what a interesting portfolio. Yeah, oh yeah, he's an interesting. Guy. I don't I don't love his stuff, but he is he is he knows what he is doing yeah. <laughs> and what he's good at. Um, so he's got a show called Ratched, which is based. It's like it's a little. You know how um, they did the Psycho prequel, which mm-hmm. is called Bates Motel. This is like evil nurse Ratched from One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest, and it's like how she became oh wow evil nurse Ratched. Uh, that's huh. the show. Bidding wars over it. Apple was apparently strongly involved in bidding for that show, and didn't get it. The Although lost to Netflix, apparently right? Netflix Netflix got it by packaging together a super sweet deal for American Horror Story to continue streaming on Netflix. And a two-season commitment to Ratched. 
So they put basically they were like, we're going to give you all the money up front. And yeah, Apple okay. kind of was like, no, we're not going to. It feels that's too like rich for Netflix me. maybe made a deal to push Apple out, right? Like they're trying yeah. to make sure that Apple isn't get because that's a and we should say Netflix's content acquisition budget is about seven billion dollars yeah. next year. Mm-hmm. So Apple's only Apple's not leaping to that. You can't. I mean. You can't go from zero to, to seven. You can't go to zero to Netflix. That doesn't, you can't, you, you can't so do that. One billion is yeah. stage one of this. Mm-hmm. But the point is, they're playing in this game and they've got money to spend, which is why the Spielberg deal is interesting. So, on the podcast I do with Tim Goodman uh, yeah. on the Incomparable TV Talk Machine, yep. we've been talking about this a while. And in fact, for a couple of weeks, we've been saying, wait for it. There will be a big name attached to Apple, they will make a splash. And this is it, I guess I would say. Steven Spielberg's a pretty big splash. But this is the first in a series of deals. Like, there will be another one in a few weeks. There will be another one after that. They will make, with a billion dollars, they could buy 20 shows. They're not going to do that. They'll probably buy 10 shows. And like HBO's got probably 15 shows going over the course of a year. Um, I think Apple wants to get to maybe that level probably won't get their right off. They'll probably fund some original movies too. They'll buy some movies. We'll see in the next... I mean, I, I feel like I can tell you what the, is going to happen in the next six months. They're going to make a deal with an actor that you've heard of. They're going to make a deal with the creator of it's a like, show it's that like you a, love. It's like a Boardwalk Empire type deal, right? Let's find yeah. a big movie actor and put them in a TV show. Yeah, I mean, and there was a rumor that they're talking to Vince Gilligan, who did Breaking Bad. Jennifer Aniston, apparently, yeah, as well. Yeah, well, there's a, there's a show with Jennifer Aniston and somebody else that, that has been shopped around that they've been talking about. Um, Vince Gilligan and uh, Brian Cranston from Breaking Bad have both apparently been like wow. talking to them Apple's also trying to talk to, to people and these guys who these guys have a relationship with the Breaking Bad guys but they're also talking to people who they they like but they've never worked with before so they you know uh, Hollywood Reporter did a good story about this so those are going to pay off some yep. of those deals yep. are going to get made and people are going to be all of a sudden people are going to look in like six months and they're going to be like oh Apple's already got five shows in production it's still going to take until like the end of next year before they show up but that's going to happen and um and because they got a billion dollars to spend and they yep. will go to film festivals that's going to happen they're going to go to a film festival and they're going to buy some movies and people are going to go like, where are those going? And the answer is going to be they're going wherever all this other stuff is going on Apple's stuff. And they will, they will buy some catalog stuff too. They'll buy streaming rights. Do you think so? To yeah, they'll. I I feel like there's a question about what this service is, but I feel like um, if it's only these originals, it's going to feel kind of skimpy. So I I would imagine that they will buy some films and they'll they'll. Um, They'll probably play it as, you know, these are some of the most popular movies on on iTunes, and now you can stream them for free with your subscription. You think just movies? They're trying to do TV. Maybe why? Like you wrote a, a great piece which came out from like a long Twitter exchange. Yes, which with I was a million people swept up into. <laughs> yes, that you had over the weekend and it brought about a lot of this stuff. But and there's one thing you mentioned in here. It's like why not just buy Hulu? Well, so Tim Goodman says that he thinks that's what they should do. Hulu is owned by three TV networks and a cable company. The TV networks, it's a real question whether they want Hulu. They're almost like frenemies to Hulu. Like they all probably want to do their own streaming services. Like ABC Disney owns part of Hulu, but they're going to launch their own streaming services. 
so what's why are they in Hulu? Well, and the, yeah, the idea yeah. was Hulu was a thing that networks could do to claim that they were doing something in streaming video it when was they an weren't. As well, thing like yeah, we're also here as we well. We also are present, right? It was a tough thing for them to do. They've always had this. So what Tim has suggested is. If Apple buys Hulu, they get Hulu's original content, they get Hulu's um, streaming deals, at least for a while, because those are all renegotiable. They get Hulu's infrastructure. If you think about Beats Music, Apple Music is built on the back of Beats yeah, Music. Cause, cause it's like it's already that, built. That, that's the, 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 the example to push. You'd be like, oh, why would they do that? Well, they did it already. right? Apple wanted to launch a streaming music service, so they bought one. And then changed it into their own. And Hulu actually has a live TV service too that that, that could be integrated directly into Apple TV. Because the real key is like, <laughs> you, okay, so let's just say this thing costs ten dollars a month. There has to be stuff there. You can't start yeah. charging ten dollars a month when you have just one show, right? right? Like because. CBS All Access is charging five dollars a month for essentially Star Trek Discovery. Although they've got even they have their old their CBS back catalog. The stuff. You, that's why I think I think they have to have catalog stuff. So even if they don't buy Hulu, which would cost them like twenty five billion dollars, it would be a very expensive purchase. But Apple might be actually a better owner for Hulu than the networks and cable companies that own it now. Um, Counter argument to Hulu, Apple buying Hulu is if they bought Hulu, Hulu's got its own programming executives and their own original content. They wouldn't necessarily have needed to hire these guys, um, but it doesn't preclude them from still buying. When I think about that, they're really buying it for technology if they want to use it but they're buying out the contracts that's that's the yeah. value is, yeah. is buying and they the would deals. Own, they would own the handmaid's tale which won the emmy for best drama they would just own it at that you point know, like they want apple want awards so bad oh oh sure well that's definitely going to be part of the yeah. part of the story right is that the apple wants to is going to want to win an emmy because award for something done so good for amazon yeah it's done really well for hulu like yeah. hulu is on the map now because of the handmaid's tale in a way that they weren't before but like i think like transparent and stuff like yep. the amount of awards transparent's yeah. won it's like it it's legit. Yeah, like, man, the High Castle that, did that too. Yeah. Is that the quote from Bezos? Every time we win an Emmy, uh, we sell more shoes or something like that. Yeah. Like it's it, you know, I, I love that quote. It makes total sense. But like, and it's, that's it's the funny. way he that's the way he thinks yeah. too. So if they don't buy Hulu, though, I do think that they need something. So it, maybe it's old TV shows. Old TV shows seems like a weirder fit for them sets, though, than like, old movies. But know, yeah, you they throw could. the Office and Parks and Rec and Thirty well, Rock. They could you know? also buy a lesser streaming service and throw the or a few and throw them all together so what like exists like um like acorn is a good example acorn well you wouldn't because you get it in in britain it's called television acorn is a <laughs> a primarily a british tv streaming service it's got ah, some okay. european tv okay. as well but it's primarily like british current and classic british tv mm-hmm. and that it's a niche uh streamer and they could buy some 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 little streamers and put them together, make some deals for some movies, and call it a day, and have a better package of stuff to show. Um, but I do I, I agree if they if they do ten original series, they're not going to roll them out at once, right? Because then they'll be run silly. for ten weeks and then they'll be done. And yeah. then what? Then there's nothing. Only and the crickets are chirping. No, on the you get no push on any of them so, when there's too so many. So think about HBO's originals, right? Yep. HBO's got two or three originals on, maybe four at a time, and they're staggered across time. That's kind of the level they need to offer. Yep. Yep. It would 
if that was all, would it be enough? Maybe, but I feel like there's, you know, I, I don't want to overstate this, but I think it's important for them to have some catalog stuff too. And the movies make sense to me from a, like a PR perspective of like, also we've got these, this great selection of movies that's favorites from the iTunes catalog that you can watch for free. That's how you spin it. But in reality, it's like we made some content deals for some old movies, just like HBO does. Because HBO's got, you know, some recent releases. Yep. And then they've got a catalog of old, weird old stuff. Like, I, I watched Batman Forever on HBO <laughs> because, because we were doing it for The Incomparable. Uh-huh. And I, I, I went to uh, Fan TV, which is like a streaming catalog. And they're like, oh, it's on HBO Go. I'm like, great. <laughs> That's, and it's terrible, but it was there. So I could watch that so for free. Do you, think, do you think this is a separate service? This isn't going to be Apple Music, right? Big question. Because it, it really I, feels like you're putting a billion dollars into this. Don't call it music when it's not music. Well, if they if they rolled into Apple Music, they'd have to change the name. Um, I like, think that would be bad for everything. If I had to pick, I would pick... If I had to guess about what's going to happen, I'd say it's a separate service because music consumers and video consumers are different. Apple wants more money from consumers. so Maybe they offer a bundle or something, Which but it's, like, like, it's know, a separate service. Amazon, you get video when you get Prime. You still have to pay extra if you want the full music library. Yeah. They still have that as a separate service. Google is talking about rolling play into um, into uh, YouTube Red, Google Play All Music, All Access yeah, Music. They, now they're like saying if you get... But it's like... 50, YouTube Music is what they're really pushing yeah, now. Yeah, but I think Google the Google Play Music is going to get rolled in there too. I think so. But it's like $15 a month. It's, it's not... It's not a, a $9, $7 a month video service at that point. So my gut feeling is it'll be a... We'll say $10 a month. Maybe it's $7 a month or $5 a month with a 90-day trial. So when you get, your, when you get an Apple TV, you so get three months in. of it for yep. free, and all of that is there. They'll do that, and then maybe there's a bundle where you can get the, you know, the package deal for both Apple Music and Apple whatever. Yeah, they already used the good name. So <laughs> Apple TV is taken. I think Apple TV is a good name for it anyway. I think that Apple, why not just the TV app? Is already there, right? Yeah, it's, it just becomes Apple TV Box and Apple the Apple TV service. And, and there's an argument about like, well, what about movies? Movies aren't TV. It's like Apple Doesn't has matter. with the TV app. Apple has already said that they consider any video that you watch on a device that you own a well, TV. But you're watching it on even the movies you watched them on the TV, yeah. right? Or, or on your iPad. But there's a TV app yeah. on your iPad, so you're either watching it on your TV via an Apple TV, or you're watching it on your iPad or iPhone via the TV app. It's all yeah. TV. So I think. The Apple TV as a product, you know, conflating it with Apple TV as a service, maybe that's, I don't know, maybe that's been the plan all along. But maybe I feel it's like, a way to help sell Apple TV. But I feel like that's the idea. <laughs> and, then, and then it's only available on the Apple TV as a streamer box. Uh-huh. And so if you want Apple TV, you get Apple, an Apple TV and Is then you get Apple TV. Is that a problem? Because like, if I want Netflix shows, if I want Amazon shows, I can get them mostly anywhere. If yeah. Apple creates their own TV shows, should they restrict it on the Apple, Apple and iOS, like iOS devices and TV devices? Depends on what they want to do, right? I think Apple has this kind of vision of their revenue as a, um, it's a combination of things. Like if this was a pure services revenue thing, they would put make it everywhere. App, make an app for Android. But they want... Well, Apple Music's on Android. Yeah, but I but is that the legacy of there being Beats on Android? I don't know. I, I don't think so. I mean, they so. had an existing app. They could have just shut that and down. An existing developer. They could have. I 
it's a good that's a good counter argument and I thought about that and it's possible my gut feeling is the most likely scenario is Apple wants this to be a revenue generator for services, but their whole services strategy is to get more revenue out of people who are their customers, not get random services revenue from people who don't have Apple products. So that they, I think they want to view this as a way to drive people to buy an Apple TV. I think that would be a mistake. I don't know. I could go either way. I mean... Because the Apple TV is too expensive. Does Apple... The question is, does Apple want this service does Apple want the Apple TV service to be everywhere and or do do they want it to be a a lever to use to get people to buy an Apple device I I think if the plan is which I think it's obvious is more services revenue I think the best thing you do is make it available to everybody like if your goal is we want to get more recurring revenue the easiest way to do that is to put it on Android as well. I think it's a good you, argument. You open it up to anyone with a device. Yeah, it's a good it's a good argument. I see there are good arguments on either side exactly, of this. Exactly, yeah. So I don't know what the right thing to do from a business standpoint is. I do know that if I put myself in the mind of Apple, mm-hmm. restricting it to Apple hardware seems most likely. Seems like an likely. Apple-y thing to do. Yeah, but the the precedent of Apple Music on Android is what puts a question mark over my head because Apple Music is the same strategy. It's the strategy well, of we need recurring revenue. So what I would also say is, this is a video service. It wouldn't shock me if what they do is they put it on Android and they put it in iTunes on Mac and PC, but restrict it to Apple TV as a streamer box. And say, look, if you want our TV service on your TV... That's what, no, that's what I think they would do. They yeah. put it on Android so you can watch it on the go. But if you want to watch it on the television, the only way to watch Fire it... Firebox. Yeah, they won't, be on, they won't make an Amazon Fire app. They won't make a Chromecast-compatible thing. But I think they would make an Android app and to pe- watch it on the go. And people will say, oh, well, this is ridiculous. I'm never going to pay money for this. I'm never going to buy an Apple TV for it. It's like, okay. But when they announce that fill-in-the-blank creator of your favorite show has a new show with fill-in-the-blank star that you love. Yeah, from the producers of Breaking Bad starring this amazing cast that you love. And then there's this other show that also sounds really cool that they're doing, and they're only on Apple TV. Then you start to go, well, Apple TV also does do Netflix and Amazon. It's a little expensive, but it's the only way I'm going to get to watch the show. And will everybody do that? No, of course not. There's a lot of arguments in the tech world are, well, everybody won't do it, and therefore it will be a failure. And it's like, this is the, what I hear about the Star Trek being on CBS All Access instead of Netflix in the U.S. Um, and they're like, oh, well, not as many people are going to watch it, so it's a failure. It's like, actually, they're going to make... They're CBS building, will make more They're building an way. entire streaming service <laughs> yeah. on the back of this thing. It's probably going to work for them. They probably don't care that it's going to be 10% of the viewers that they would get if they put it on television because that's not the point. The point is the money and the ongoing subscriber revenue and all of those things. So um, that's what I come back to with the the Apple thing is, yeah, they're going to suppress viewership. The only people who care about the fact that that amazing new show is not going to be seen potentially by as many people because it requires you to have Apple hardware are the people who are creating the shows because they want to be seen. And that's, Tim Goodman wrote this piece at The Hollywood Reporter. It's a really great piece. Part of the deal here is 
money talks in Hollywood, but they also care about the things they make, the creators. And there is some risk that if Apple's uh, Apple service is perceived as being super limited, then um, it will uh, make deals go sour. Yep. When do you think we're going to start to see some of this stuff happening? Um, next fall. Okay. I I can't. So you reckon a couple of shows will be announced as in development? Like, was this? Well, no. Was I, this think, I think in show? the next six. I think in the next six months. Apple will make will close like deals. ten deals. So was this Spielberg show like officially deals. announced, or, or was it or was it just leaked? reported? Although it's been it's been reported for a while that they've been talking and talking to Apple, but this is the Wall Street Journal reported this. But like, is this was this reported as a rumor, or is there like this is an official release? This is done. Both. It was. It was. Okay. Oh, it's, it hasn't been official. Oh, okay. It okay. is reported by the Wall Street Journal as having happened. Okay. Not as rumored, but as a fact that they made this deal. Right. Previously, in the Hollywood Reporter, it was rumored that they were talking, but Wall Street Journal anyway says it happened. Deal is done. So, but they haven't said anything about it. And I think that's one of the challenges here is that Apple probably doesn't want to say anything about this until they have a, a service to launch. So we may just get mm. a lot of leaks from the Wall Street Journal. Is a little surprising. I think we're going to get a lot of leaks from Variety and the Hollywood Reporter and Deadline. Well, I mean, Wall Street <laughs> Journal about deals. would have been surprising, but it's technology. It's technology related, right? They, can, they still have sources. They're going to get it at some but point. But it is better for Apple to be in Variety and the Hollywood yeah. Reporter because that's where the industry yeah. is and cares. So it's good. So the deals are going to happen over the next six months. I would say you're going to see. Rolling thunder from Apple. Like it's going to be very serious. It's going like, to be a lot of deals. People are going to, it's not mm-hmm. going to be just amazing stories, right? I feel like these guys are there um, to make deals and they've been given money. According to the Wall Street Journal, they've been given a billion dollars to make deals. They're going to make deals. And I bet if and they needed takes, more money, they'll get it, right? <laughs> and my guess is that Apple has an idea of like, we want to launch this in the fall. We want to announce it in June at WWDC and, and we'll launch it in the fall or we'll announce it, they'll probably announce it in June. Um, and we'll announce the launch date at the iPhone event in the fall, and it will launch sometime in the fall. And that sometime will probably be determined by when the shows are ready. But that's that's about how long it takes, like to go from making a deal to doing having the script, doing the casting, do, setting up so, the production, yeah. shooting the show, editing the show. That takes time. It takes a lot of time to make a TV show. Yeah. So I think it's most likely that it'll be a new Apple TV service next fall. What do you think about originals versus like existing properties? For for Apple launching this now, does it make sense for them to try and create purely original things or is it more sensible for them to do stuff like buying an old series and rebooting I it? I think they I think <laughs> Well, this is a programming question, and it's the same like with Netflix. Like Netflix's strategy is get something for everyone, and Netflix releases so many shows because they are paying seven times as I much as Apple's going to pay. I can't believe the amount of originals they have. It, it's, and it's, like there's so many that I've never heard of. Yeah, and and it's so easy to miss them. Yep. And they will also do, you know, they'll do Fuller House, right? They'll do a broad sitcom that's not going to appeal necessarily to the same people to whom. Stranger Things appeals, or Narcos, or something, or, or uh, yeah, exactly, or Bloodline, or Master of None, or right? uh, 
Bojack. That would be a great game show. Is like you, we go back and forth trying to name as many Netflix originals <laughs> as possible, but it might be too long. It goes on forever. I mean, uh, but my, my favorite thing about Netflix being outside of the U.S. is all of the deals that they do yes. with U.S. networks. So we love Jane the Virgin. So. Right. right, and now it is streaming weekly on Netflix. On Netflix, which Netflix—that's and that's counter to Netflix's brand because Netflix's brand is about dropping a whole season and yeah. binging it. But Netflix has made a lot of deals. They're that's doing how that we with, got Breaking they're Bad. They're doing that with Star Trek Discovery too. Yep. Star Trek, and, is and, the and same. it comes out every week. And there are a lot of U.S. shows that instead of making a deal with a British TV channel and then a French TV channel and a German TV channel, they just put a, they just make a deal with Netflix. It's Netflix so buys awesome. it for the whole world, yep. and you get it the next day everywhere in the world, and it, it releases weekly it's it's really good so um that's a nice sidebar which is i expect that apple will roll this service out if not if not initially then very rapidly internationally this is a, a thing that apple has over amazon and google which is they really try to play internationally with their entertainment services and uh, like amazon is bad at that amazon's yeah. in like a handful of Damn countries bad. so i imagine these deals that they're making they're gonna they're gonna make for the originals anyway they're gonna make for a world for worldwide well, yeah, they own the content so they can put it wherever they want right like that and they already have the distribution method right but like if, if all the original stuff it'll be easy there's well, yeah. well we're making the deals so like we'll just decide it's going to be worldwide so in terms of what the programming is i don't think they don't have a seven billion dollar budget i don't think they're going to cast a wide night like netflix i don't think they're going to make fuller house hbo is what i keep coming back to you could say showtime you could say stars but i feel like apple apple feels like a premium cable to me to like in terms of their brand yeah so far they've not done a good job of that but it's no. all apple music though right it's so all that's apple music, the good right. thing so they didn't launch the tv service with carpool karaoke yeah. so this is this is the question is in that meeting with eddie q and maybe tim cook and um and zach and jamie the tv executives what did they say about the brand of Apple? Like, what did they say? We want to be family friendly. Did they say we want to be like HBO? Did they say we want to be like Netflix? What did they say? My gut feeling is they want to be HBO. They want prestige. They want to win awards. But they also want Game of Thrones. Everybody in the TV industry wants Game of Thrones. Jeff Bezos wants the name, next Game of Thrones. Netflix wants the next Game of Thrones. Everybody wants that. So, of course, they said that. But that's my gut feeling is yeah. like HBO is a good model because they have huge international hits. They've got prestige. They win awards. They got comedies. They got dramas. They got some uh, docu-series. And they wrap all that up. And that's their service that they sell to cable subscribers or over the top with HBO Now. So that's my gut feeling is that, is that maybe it'll be a little different. There's a question about like how, how gritty will they get if they get like a really grim and gritty thing. Uh, will Apple be concerned about that being part of the Apple brand? I think that gets overplayed where people talk about Apple and Disney and Pixar. Yeah, I think I, I think it gets overstated. They sell the movies and there, TV there shows. Will be t- yeah, there will be they rated, sell them. They, there will be rated R, TVMA yeah. content. You can buy Game of Thrones on, on iTunes. iTunes. Yeah. Right. Like, you, you buy the unrated it. versions of movies on iTunes. I didn't know that. So I, I don't think... But that, those aren't from Apple, right? Those are from a studio and Apple's the reseller. This is like from Apple, Apple mm. Presents. But I still think, my gut feeling is it's still going to be stuff like HBO. Because like they're, the thing they're gonna is, have, 
if 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 the plan is you want the awards, well, sometimes people are going to get naked because that's what happens in award-winning TV shows. It, it's like, true. You're just going to have they're to gonna, deal with that. Like it come, they, these two things they're, come they're, together. They're not all going to be like that. No. But I think they will push the envelope with some stuff, and then they'll have some other stuff that is that is less so. It wouldn't surprise me if they're not quite as aggressive with the adult content as HBO, that some of their stuff will be more adult, and some of the stuff will be more kind of like TV level. Yeah. They'll do some well, TV and some cable you know, TV you need and a some premium cable. Yeah. Because not everybody wants stuff like that. Right, you know? and and but that's my that's my gut feeling is that they'll do that and that, that the first slate will reflect that. But we'll see, we'll see what the marching orders are that that these execs have been given because that's part of the deal. Like that's their magic stuff is they know people, but they also are trying to adhere yeah. to you know what this what the promise of the brand is. Like what what are they trying to bring to people? Because in the end, Apple does want to build a service where people know. It has an identity. Like, I know what I get when I subscribe to Apple TV. Like, I know what I get when I subscribe to HBO or Showtime. I bet you're so happy about this. Because this is just like Jason's wheelhouse. My world's colliding here. TV and technology. It is pretty... it is pretty awesome. Well, it's it's fun. mm -hmm. I I mean, I love talking about it. I will will say it, it does frustrate me when I hear the carpool karaoke jokes. Because... They are justified. Planet of the Apps jokes are the best, too, because that was not a show I liked. They are justified to joke about that because Apple's flailing kind of attempts at TV have been not great. But they hired All these guys. All of this was done before they hired these people, right. right? Like, it was done. Yeah, they hired these guys in June. That was the that was the day that, that day in June. Point. That was the day that Apple got serious that was about the this. Time that Eddie got taken off the project, right? Like, yeah. You know. Well, I mean, I think they report to Eddie, but like Eddie, one of the good things about Eddie Q, I think, is that he he knows to put the professionals in charge of their business. Yeah. And this is like these guys would these guys are set up in Culver City and they are doing Apple TV, and that's what they're doing. And that was the day that Apple got serious about video. And all the jokes are totally earned. But if you're analyzing. Apple making a deal with Spielberg using the lens of Planet of the Apps. You're looking at it wrong. Yeah, that's that's malpractice. You're looking so, at it wrong. So yeah. the downside of this is I've been paying attention to this long enough that I see those takes. I've seen those takes in the last week and they infuriate me because that's somebody who is um, either willfully misunderstanding or uh, or just completely doesn't get it. It's just dying to make the joke, yeah. right? Like, yeah, the joke is more important, and it's like, hey, we can, we should all laugh at Planet of the Apps. You know what? I bet there were some really bad Netflix originals, like at the start. Sure. You know, I bet there were some terrible ones, right? Sure. Like, that's but just this how is it like is. Even before, imagine like Netflix made its own movie TV series and put it out on DVDs before they had streaming. Like, <laughs> it's like the before time. Yeah. Like, there is a hard line between when they hired these guys and what came before, because that was the moment that Apple became a Hollywood player. And um, those guys were hired in June, but they didn't start until late August. So now is when this is all going to happen. Now they've taken, they started taking meetings and planning their attack. They've made one acquisition. There will be many more. Apple has enough money to buy 20 original series at an average of 50 million per. I don't think they'll do that. And I think that the, the costs will be up and down. I think they'll buy some documentaries and I think they'll buy some, some movies and I think they'll do some other stuff, but It'll be fun to see what they are. That's the thing that fascinates me about this too. Is like, what is an Apple Video service? What does it mean? 
who who is it for what's it going to look like and what what big names that are familiar to us are they going to are going to be attached to the apple brand for the first time that's kind of fun right like some oh, actor you love who suddenly is going to be showing up on stage at an apple event somewhere to promote their tv oh my show God, they're all going to be on stage oh <laughs> oh yeah no <laughs> this oh, is Kino, our life now steven spielberg with kingdom bingo man with oh, our with our, our keynote draft, we're gonna have to start. We're gonna have a whole section you know, of our draft you know they're gonna, for that's Apple is where TV they announce stars. the big TV shows. They're like, oh, and we have a new show with, and then Brian Cranston comes on the stage yeah. in his vintage Apple jacket, and he spends a few minutes talking about. I think he stole that from Drake. <sighs> Today's show is brought to you by Balance. Balance have just launched Balance Open. This is a free open source Mac app for checking Coinbase. You may be familiar with the Balance team as they may balance for Mac, which is an app that can monitor all your bank balances and card transactions. Coinbase, which is a popular marketplace for cryptocurrencies like Bitcoin and Ethereum, is what you use when you're looking at Balance Open. Balance Open is the best open source digital wallet to help you keep track of all of the cryptocurrency that you've got your fingers in. If you don't know anything about all of this stuff, it's totally fine. It's totally fine. Don't worry about it. Balance are going to help you. They want to teach you about cryptocurrencies, and they want to give you a little head start to get you on your way. The first 1,000 people that go to bal.money slash relay will get $2 in Ethereum, Ethereum, I think it's called Ether. It's the Ethereum currency called Ether for free as a gift from Balance. Go check it out today. Find out more and try out Balance Open, and you can dip your toes into the world of cryptocurrency. Our thanks to Balance for their support of this show. Jason, it is time for hashtag Ask Upgrade. <laughs> so people send in their questions every week. Use the hashtag Ask Upgrade, and they go into a lovely document which we can pull out. And today we will start with Andrew. And Andrew asked. Mac desktops have the option to get a magic mouse and a magic trackpad when you buy them. Is there a reason to do this? Well, this should be for you, right? Don't it you sure have sure don't is. you have two two input devices. input devices? So I use a Wacom tablet and a trackpad. So what I do and I and I have and did use a mouse and trackpad yeah, and, and I, and I, I know got some RSI who do problems. the same thing because of RSI they yep. use certain movements they use on their off hand, mm-hmm. and then they have another hand for other movements. To find movement. So yeah. what you get to do is, by having two input methods, you get to give dominant hands a break, which is really good for RSI. So you're kind of moving around what you're doing. So, so say, for example, just in general web browsing, I'm moving around the machine. If I'm panning around, I use the trackpad. If I'm trying to click something, I use my Wacom tablet. When I'm editing my... My trackpad is used for navigating the timeline of logic, right? So I zoom around, zoom in. That's all with gestures with my right hand. And then my left hand is doing all the important work with Wacom tablets. So the reason to do this is that it gives you a way to kind of mix everything up. And if you get used to it, it's a really efficient and kind of cool way. It kind of feels a bit minority report-like to have your hands doing all this stuff at all times. So yeah, that's probably why they offer it because it is actually a nice pairing to have. Josh asked, will we ever see mouse pointer support on iOS or just the iPad? Do you think, do you think we're ever going to get a mouse for iOS? Oh. I feel like it's getting closer. I feel like all it's getting time. closer. I, and, and that anything that we would assume Apple would never do on, the, on, on iOS, we need to throw away yep. because they've done all sorts of things that we assume they would never do. Yep. I, you know, I posted, uh, my friend Chip wrote a story on Six Colors a, a couple of years ago about Bluetooth pointing device support in iOS mm-hmm. and I agree with him and I I feel like ever since they did the text insertion cursor thing that I, I wish they would just support Bluetooth pointing devices just like support them for for that 
and maybe for some other gestures, right? Like it doesn't have to be a big thing, but um, I don't want a mouse or I don't want a cursor on screen all the time that you click around on. I don't think that's the right interface for iOS, but I think that they could do more. I think that there are cases where a pointing device is useful. Yep. Selecting text. Let me tell you, as somebody who writes all the time, selecting text that uh, that that iBeam cursor that they have, where you put two fingers down on the iPad or your 3D touch on the on the iPhone, it's great. It frustrates me that I can't just have a trackpad when I'm sitting on my iPad, sitting at my at, at a table looking at my iPad to do that. Like that would be great. Just the little text selection cursor yep. would be enough, right? I don't need a whole windowing system. That's all I need. So I hope they do it. The other thing is um, virtual uh, like like uh, consoles, like screens and all of that. Some of those, you can buy... Yeah, do you remember? Is, is it Citrix has, a, we has spoke an app about where you, it have a while to, ago. you have to buy that special mouse? Citrix have it and then Jump Desktop and the Citrix Jump, X1, right. Citrix X1 mouse, which I bought to try out and it works really great. Like... I would love to be able to use a mouse with Google Sheets because Google Sheets can get real complicated. Yeah. And if I could use a trackpad built into it, like just a trackpad built into the smart keyboard, I would be very happy with that. Also, as somebody who has, um, who uses the iPad in a stand with a keyboard all the time. Yep. And, and you do too. Yep. Um, I'd really rather, when, I'm, when all I'm doing is, is like scrolling and swiping, I would really love to be able to do that with, while keeping my hands down. Yeah, a way to scroll a web page without scrolling the screen would and be kind of nice. Right? Please, and so don't, why, please don't tell me to buy a laptop. No, no. Don't do it. Don't, don't email Mike. Um, the, the, uh, the fact is, you should not have to buy a Citrix mouse. <laughs> right? Yeah. You should be able to yeah. use, again, individual apps could support it. It doesn't have to be that there's a big black arrow on the screen all the time. But like, yeah, if I'm in screens and I, I have a, I shouldn't, like screens has a mode where you use your iPhone as a trackpad. And that's cool. But you know what's better than an iPhone to, as a trackpad? Trackpad. A trackpad. <laughs> Funnily enough. So if, I'm, if I have to do that, there are certain circumstances where I think it would be useful. I think the fear is that you're opening Pandora's box and turning it back into a Mac. But that's not what we're saying. It, just, just like drag and drop and multitasking and all of these other things that they yep. brought from the desktop, don't turn it into a Mac. It's a different take on it. I don't think iOS is a platform that can't take advantage of pointing devices because we've already seen that in certain cases it can. So why not just embrace that for the edge cases? It's not going to be a fundamental no. part of the product, but for the edge cases, why not do that? Why not let the, the, the here's the crazy ones who want to pair a trackpad. Let's do it. And I will say one of my thought exercises that I like to do is imagining a, a desktop iPad, you know, imagining a 24 yep. inch iPad the the even if it's in a position where you can touch it and all of that, you're probably going to have an external keyboard, 
and a pointing device would be really good it's, in that it scenario might be a bit too. Too big to be like just pulling stuff around on the on the screen all the time. You know. Yeah, but for gestures and flipping around and all that, yeah, you may not want to always be touching. But the like screen. reaching the top right hand corner of the screen, you yeah. know, if it's twenty four inches because it's probably going to be suspended or like on the table or and something. And again, not asking for a Mac solution here where it just turns it into a Mac. I'm saying maybe products like that and and even an iPad that's sitting upright with a external keyboard could be improved by having the ability yep. to add a, a, a pointing device. So, Josh, the answer to your question is, I don't know if we're ever going to see it, but I hope we do. I feel like the genie is out of the bottle with the iBeam cursor for text selection. Yep. Like, if you're going to allow us to move a cursor on the screen, Apple, let me have a device that lets me do it more easily. Adam says, uh, you guys both often discuss your frequent use of Dropbox and Google Docs. Why not do both files and docs in Google Drive? So, one of the reasons for me is I forget that Google Drive is a storage solution <laughs> for anything other than Google Documents and Photos. Which aren't really stored there. No. Right? It's just a So, this is why. The because cloud. the documents don't really exist in Google Drive, like the Google Docs stuff, I forget that I can put anything in it. Right? Because it's just like, well, this is just the place where files that don't exist exist. Yes, that's right. And the people that I collaborate with, everybody uses Dropbox. I'm not going to f- say to someone, hey, use Google Drive instead. And apps integrate better with the Dropbox API. That's why. So Google Drive is just where my docs live. It's not my storage solution. Yeah, I have not tried to do like shared folders and all of that. But you're right, everybody's got... Everybody's got Dropbox. It's the power of freemium, too, in a way that, like, mm-hmm. I, even though you can get Google Drive with free space, too, it's like everybody's got the Dropbox app installed. Everybody knows how to, how to do that. Um, and so it's sort of like I've already adopted it. And, it. and I think it's powerful. Also, it has the strength, like so many apps do, of being what Dropbox does, whereas Google Drive is not what Google does. It's a, an adjunct. And so I feel like Dropbox is always going to be hungrier at building features and reliability for Dropbox than Google is for Google Drive. They're very hungry with their design. Have you seen the little scribbly things? That's my concern is that Dropbox is losing focus. And now they're saying, well, we're we're really not a company for storage. We're We're a a place to collaborate. We're a place to collaborate and design and all that with Dropbox paper and all that. It's like, no, that's not what you are. Sorry. Adrian wants to know, Jason, are you still using Todoist? I am. I went through a period. I went through about a week where I forgot to open it, <laughs> but it was a weird week. It was a and I was traveling and it was uh-huh. weird. But uh, yes, I am using it. It is. I've got a bunch of monthly tasks in there for the yep. Six Colors magazine. I've got a bunch of weekly tasks, especially for download, having to schedule uh, download podcast uh, guests and make sure that the download topic list is. Uh, is up and running. How's that going, Stephen? Oh, Stephen's he's around. Not even here. He's, he's he's away doing he's, it now. He's gone already. Um, and I have uh, podcast posting to dos in there now, where I've got like free agents every other week. Nice. Uh, there's a post, so it's it's still on my calendar, but it's also in my Todoist. Um, my my complaints, my in- issues with Todoist are still uh, that. I keep thinking of things based on that I need to do them by a certain date, but they take more time and get frustrated that I can't say like I have this, I have to watch 
so like I have to watch these movies for an incomparable episode we're recording on Friday. So I want a thing that says, remember, you have to watch two movies by Friday. Todoist doesn't want to do that. Todoist wants me to either put that on Friday, in which case I'm not going to see it until it's too late, or I have to create it earlier, which is not the real deadline, mm. in order to tell me. I could do that and have so it So you be, want like start dates? Yeah, uh, yeah. This is, and we've talked about this before. It's like that's one of the challenges I've got with it is it really thinks of like Todoist as this is a, a relatively small thing you can check off on a certain day. And that's not quite what I want. I want it to kind of hover over me and say, remember this needs to be due by Friday and it will mm-hmm. take four <laughs> hours. <laughs> due by Friday. D-U-E, D-U-E by Friday. D-U-E by Friday. It's totally it's due, different. Due by anyway, but yes, I am. I am trying to integrate it. I am trying to find ways to... Um, what's happening now is that I have things that fall out of the Snell filing system, which is my brain. And I'm like, oh yeah. And I think this is the sort of thing I should put into Doist. Mm-hmm. So we'll see how it goes. But I am, I am sticking with it for now along, you know, the calendar still is a thing that I use because it is how my brain works. But to Doist is, um, is helping it's out. It's a compliment. It's helping me out for now. Colton asked, why is the Chromecast usually left out when talking about TV box competition? It's true. When we talk about, t- we just did it, didn't mention Chromecast at all. Now, the reason I don't is because it's not a TV box. It is not a box that has an interface. It is a way to, it's like AirPlay. It's just a way to stream stuff, right? Like that, I think that's why I leave it out. It doesn't feel like the same product to me as an Apple TV or a Roku or a Fire TV. People don't build apps for it. It's like, does it or do does the support for Chromecast already exist in other places? If it does, you can Chromecast to it, right? You can do the casting thing and you can watch it on the TV. That's why I leave it out because it doesn't have that same feeling of like, is Google going to do deals for Chromecast? Like, it doesn't feel that way, you know? What do you think? Yeah, I you said it. I think that's the the. Okay, I'm gonna be a little impolitic here, but. I feel like this is one of those examples where Google is run by people who don't understand how people think. Um, and I know there are a lot of tech nerds out there who love Chromecast. Of course there are. It's a dongle that you attach to your TV and then control everything from your phone. That's a tech nerdy kind of thing. I think most people, like there's no there there. There's no home there. It really is. I I'm a tech nerd. I do not want to sit down in front of my television and then pop around on my phone looking for an app to stick on the television. And then find the button. I don't do that. I, this is why I don't like to airplay. Airplay is a last resort. I will airplay if I have to. If there's an app that lets me airplay that isn't available on the Apple TV, I will do it. But I hate it. I hate it because now I've got a device that is streaming over my network. Is it going to be reliable? How's that going to work? I know that Chromecast will pick up the URL and will go out and find it itself so it's not like that. But it's like I'm I, suddenly my phone is a remote and if it works for you that's great but it's not the same as these other products yeah. and and that's why and that's I don't right know or wrong works, that's why but like it doesn't feel like they're doing deals they just like open this up as a way to say to developers oh you can integrate with this so it's like a different strategy and i think that's why we don't bring it up because the apple tv and the fire tv they are backed by companies that are trying to make original content right like that's what makes that interesting is that it's more than just the thing you plug into the television. And I think that's why Google kind of gets left out of this in places. Yeah, their thing is, um, 
turn your t- your device is the best remote they say mm-hmm. and i don't agree remotes are really nice and in general and there's there's no there there i just i believe that i mean google chromecast as far as i know and forgive me I, i'm sure there are exceptions here but to me chromecast is a wireless video adapter like it's a plug it's not a place for stuff like mm-hmm. the fire tv and roku and the apple tv it's and it if it works for you again i'm not saying that you're a bad person if you like chromecast chromecast has a lot of things going for it but it's not one of these things is not like the other and 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 that's why and i it it to me it's like one of those things that i point at and i say google like you're so weird <laughs> like why is yeah. why is this your strategy that everything is an app everything is an android app on your phone and the chromecast well we don't need uh an interface on it we don't need a remote your device is the best remote well, yeah i don't i don't agree with that just like i don't agree when vizio um put out those tvs that didn't have remotes because you're supposed to use your phone it's like no uh-uh uh-uh no and lastly today, Simon asked, at $199, is the Sonos One the HomePod killer? So the Sonos One was announced a couple of weeks ago. Yep. It is the Sonos Play One, which is their little speaker, but it has uh, Amazon Echo support. Yep. It's going to get Google Home support and AirPlay yep. 2. It's $199. So that's $200 cheaper than the HomePod. I don't like the phrase "the killer" because right? no. it does—it's never worked. Yeah. Anything that's called the something killer never killed anything. Yes. But is the Sonos One serious competition for the HomePod? Ah, uh, yes, but are people going to buy my, it? My guess, because I've got a Play One, which is sure. basically the same, um, other than the voice support, and it's—it it sounds good. Um, the HomePod sounds better. The HomePod sounds better than the Play 3, let alone the Play 1. Mm-hmm. The HomePod has Siri integration, which is problematic in many ways, but it also is going to let you voice control Apple Music. So if you're an Apple Music subscriber, you can't do that on the Play, on the whatever it's called, the Sonos One, right? Because the, uh, the Amazon Echo stuff, I almost said her name, the Amazon Echo stuff um, will let you voice control Amazon's music stuff. Yeah. And maybe I think Spotify down the road, but not. We were, we were talking about this on Connected. It's so confusing because there is a potential that the AirPlay Two integration will let you control Apple Music via Siri. It's but then but then it's from via Siri from your your phone, not on the device, and it's yeah. streaming to the device. Yeah. So, uh, so I think I think my answer here is no because I think the HomePod exists in this weird space where people are going to buy it because they love Apple and they've got, and they are using Apple music and that they think it's going to be a good product. And the Sonos one is weirdly complicated by what assistants are on it. It does sound good. I think, I guess what I'd say is the real challenge for the HomePod is that it has, it is expensive and there are speakers that are cheaper that have similar features that sound pretty good. Yeah, I mean, I, I still, I, I think the jury is out on whether the HomePod is even going to be worth it for anybody. Oh, I, I agree, I agree. It's a weird, it has, it's a, it weird has a real risk to be the iPod Hi-Fi too. 
in my opinion. It's a very expensive, well, very limited use case device. I think there's a real scenario where next fall there's an all new HomePod, which is 199 dollars, smaller <laughs> and cheaper, yeah, and not yeah, not what this current HomePod is. We'll see. But I, I think I think that's the challenge. I don't think yep. the Sonos One's entrance is well, the jig is up for the HomePod because I think it's it's just another entrant in this in this field that talk that exposes the issues with the HomePod. If you'd like to find our show notes for this week, we're at relay.fm slash upgrade slash 163. Thank you to everybody that submits questions. As always, you can submit Snell Talk questions with the hashtag Snell Talk for the beginning of the show and hashtag ask upgrade questions for the end of the show. If you want to find Jason online, he's at sixcolors.com, theincomparable.com. He hosts a bunch of shows over at Relay FM as well. And he's at jsnell on Twitter. I am at iMike. We'll be back next week as normal. We're at the release notes conference. If you're gonna, if you are at release notes, we're gonna be there for the next few days. So please come say hi. Uh, we'd love to speak to you and I don't know, talk about pineapple or something. Sure, probably. Uh, but we'll be back next time. Until then, oh, thanks to our sponsors this week, the great folk over at Balance, Squarespace, and Mac Weldon. We'll be back next week. Until then, say goodbye, Jason Snow. Goodbye, everybody. High five. Woo.